What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm Matt Miller, joined as always on a Wednesday morning by my buddy Connor Rogers. And we have a little bit of a football hangover this morning because <laughs> I, I tell you, man, Friday night, I watched college football. Saturday, I did not move for 13 hours. Sunday night, college football. Monday night, college football. So I, I'm a I'm a little... I'm a little like, I feel like just overwhelmed with how much football we watch, but we have a fun show where we're going to talk about things we saw on and off the field over the weekend. Oh yeah, dude, it was absolutely loaded. Obviously a lot of premier matchups while some of the big teams also opened up with a bit of what we call a softy, but um, there was some really good games, a lot from prospects. We have high expectations of a lot going on around the NFL right now. Obviously this is a podcast that covers a ton of free agency draft picks and trades. And one of the biggest trades we've seen in quite some time happened with Khalil Mack being sent to Chicago for a pretty decent package of picks. There's NFL cuts going on with players that were once super highly touted prospects that we have to break down. And of course we got to finish our rookie countdown. So a loaded show for you guys, a fun show, and we might as well jump right into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump right in. And I I think one thing that that really touches everything that we try to cover here at Stick to Football is this Khalil Mack trade. And you can listen to Sims and Lefko, our Leecher Report NFL podcast, if you want the breakdown on how Khalil Mack fits in Vic Fangio's scheme or how the Raiders are going to utilize some of their young pass rushers. Here you're going to get more of the how does this affect the NFL draft. And I think one question that I definitely have, I think one question a lot of our, our listeners have, what the hell are the Raiders going to do now? They have two first round picks, but no pass rusher. I think Khalil Mack was the second best outside pass rusher in the NFL. I would still say that Von Miller is a little bit better, but you lose a 27 year old pass rusher uh, and and they have drafted guys like Arden Key. who was a third round pick this past year. They picked up Tank Carradine in a free agency. So they have some dudes who, who can fill in that role rotationally, but what are they going to do with these picks? I, I think everyone wants to know that. And here's before I sorry, before I uh, let you jump in on this, Connor, one thing that I was told uh, by a source of a team that was interested in Khalil Mack, but they didn't go quite as far as some of these other teams as far as negotiating is the Raiders were specifically limiting Mack to teams they believed would be a drafting in the top 10. So the Raiders think the Bears will be drafting in the top 10. That's why they were willing to send him there as opposed to maybe a team like Green Bay or or someone that's more successful. Yeah, and I had heard that the Jets, people around the Jets felt they had a comparable or maybe even if better, better offer and the Raiders were not willing to keep him in in the AFC. So for all the people, there was a lot of people like how could the Jets not try to match that offer? There's more to the story here. It, it was clear that from as many people as I could gather info from that the Jets felt they had the right offer on the table. I think another reaction that was very consistent was that people were shocked the Raiders sent back a second-round pick. Oh. That that was the one thing everyone was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. They didn't need to do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I was shocked, and I got burnt a little bit because I, had a, I was trying to be funny, and I made this tweet about how the Raiders will never get two first. And at the time... I did it too. I, at the time, I was texting with three different teams who were all prepared to give a one, a two, and a two. And then out of nowhere, it's, oh, the Raiders get two first. And everyone's like, holy shit, they got two first. Yep. Uh, but then they gave up a second to get that extra first. So I, I still maintain there's no way they were going to get straight up two first round picks. By giving back a two, it's basically like that original one, two, two value, at least when it comes down to total picks. So I think that's a fine return. For Khalil Mack, I really do. I, I always feel like fans are are really uh, they overinflate the value of teams. But giving back the two is wild to me. Like I would have given back like a five. It, but where the Raiders came in at this was, it's almost like they didn't push back very hard. And for the Bears, yeah, you don't have a first round pick. Okay, you know, like you you're, you don't have a first round pick the next two years, but you're going to have two seconds one year. Uh, and and you have a very young roster where you can now be aggressive in free agency. So the Raiders needs, as I would see them right now, we have to see what happens with Arden Key as a pass rusher. Very, very talented when he's on the field, but he's had some off-field issues dating back to his time at LSU with, with weed and some injuries. So he has to stay healthy. I think the immediate need of this team is still in the secondary. Gary Conley has not hardly been on the field since being a first-round pick. Carl Joseph was a first-round pick in 2016. He looks like a liability. I think 
So that secondary is a big need for them. And then I would start to look at the wide receiver position. They got quite a bit older here. You bring in Jordy Nelson. You still have Amari Cooper, who's going to have to be re-signed soon. You have Brandon LaFell now. I think wide receiver and the, the failed trade from Artavis Bryant, they gave up a third-round pick for him and, and had to cut him. So I think receiver is an area that they would have to go pretty early in the draft, too. Yeah, this is a team that needs a vertical threat still. I mean, just because you go out and you sign LaFell, that doesn't solve that, you know, what was a miss on Martavis, where you need somebody to take the top off. And so that's a big thing. It's good that they do have these picks because I know Raiders fans are extremely upset. Obviously, you lose a team captain, a cornerstone, uh, just a fan favorite. And at the end of the day, one of the best players in the NFL. But if you want to take the glass half full approach, which I think we should explain both sides to it, there's a lot you could do with these assets. And I didn't like giving up the extra two, but now you have your one and then you have two ones that, you know, from Chicago, you can go up in the draft if you want. Derek Carr is their guy, so they don't have to have the problem that like the Jets just recently had or the Bills where you're saying we got to package picks up and go get a quarterback. There's just no way around it. You can maneuver the draft for a pass rusher like Nick Bosa, who me and you both think is the best player in next year's draft. I don't think it's close. And or like you said, Matt, you can address the secondary. You can double down. You can take the pass rusher that falls to you and then you could take a corner or a safety or a linebacker or maybe a weapon for Derek Carr or look towards the future of this offensive line. There's a lot. Gruden's on a 10 year deal and he's sitting there saying, well, I'm going to be here no matter what. I can build this roster the way I want the next three years. And now I got the extra picks to do it. So if you're the Raiders fans, I get this is going to take time of grieving, but there's a lot you can maneuver and do here with that draft capital to really not rebuild. You don't need to rebuild. You need to retool. And they're set up to do that. Yeah, and you might need a new head coach. Uh, I The way I always do my, <laughs> and I actually had a Jesus. mock draft come out, uh, come out Monday morning. And the way I always do the draft order is, I take the Super Bowl odds on Odd Shark and I flip them. And right now, the Raiders will be picking at 10. That's the Bears pick and 18. That's their own pick. So even packaging 10 and 18 is not going to get you that high no. uh, on its own. So I think it's more likely that unless unless they you know play under the expectations of the, uh, the odds makers, you're looking at a situation where you're probably going to get two pretty good players, not two dom- not one dominant player or even two dominant players. So the Raiders, uh, a, a team that, man, a lot of, lot of turnover. It's the oldest roster in the NFL, oldest roster I've seen in a long time in the NFL. And, and now they've got a bigger hole at, at pass rusher. Let's move on and jump into the college game. This one also affects the NFL draft, though. Trey Adams, the left tackle from Washington, did not play uh, in the home opener against Auburn and might not play much this year with a back injury. When you are uh, 6'8", 300 pounds, and you have a back injury, that scares the shit out of me it's as terrifying. an evaluator. So I, I think, and already I had started to hear rumblings that, hey, man, I think you guys are high on Trey Adams. Like I was getting that from scouts me too. every time they went out there and they were like, you're, and that's that time of year. You know, they start going into buildings, then they kick back to you. Hey, I think you might be a little high on this guy, but check this guy out. And with, with Washington, I, I had a, a good buddy going there over the summer and he said, Hey, I think you're way high on Trey Adams. You're low on Kayla McGarry, the right tackle, and you are like out of this world low on Taylor Rapp. You need to rewatch him. And that's when I told you I rewatched, I watched like eight Taylor Rapp games because, yeah, uh, the because of this. So <laughs> Trey Adams, though, was someone that we did consider a potential first rounder. And now you've got a back injury that is a pretty big concern for me. Without a doubt. And this is a serious injury history here. I mean, we're talking about the ACL, obviously, come back from that back injury and some injuries even before that. Now, is he a good player on the field? Yes. Was he a premier tackle prospect? I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready to call him. I didn't think he was Jonah Williams. I didn't know if the ceiling, Greg Little is an interesting player because there's been a lot of peaks and valleys, but there was the expectations are extremely high. But when you talk about from a prospect perspective, the health concerns, if you're always injured in college, it's not going to get any better in the NFL. It does not. A a guy, a recent example of this that I had a conversation about was Jason Verrett and totally different because he's a small corner, but still the same example where he was always banged up in college and always had surgeries in between seasons. And he played through it, didn't miss a lot of games, but tons of surgeries, bad combine medicals. And when he's played in the NFL, he's been really good, but he hasn't played that much at all. 
and it's it's shitty luck. It sucks, but it makes you evaluate the prospect differently where it's like, I love the talent, but how can I have a player in my top 15 that doesn't play? Exactly. That's when a guy becomes a third round pick where yes. you're like, okay, if Take he's a healthy, flyer. if he's healthy, cool. If he's not, uh, we can be okay with it. So uh, it definitely affects things like that. And like you said, uh, I think smart evaluators realize what you just said, that guys who are hurt in college, if it's consistent, you just worry. Like, are they ever, are we ever going to see the flashes? And Jason Verrett's a great example of that, of someone who was hurt a lot in college and, and just hasn't been able to stay healthy in the pros. Uh, I, I'm going to jump ahead on our rundown because I want to save uh, our number three item for the last. Okay. But <laughs> the, the cuts around the league, it, it cut down day is brutal, especially now that they do it where you go from 90 to 53, basically in an afternoon. It's even hard to keep track of for those of us who like work in this business. It's There were so many times it was like, oh, man, that guy got cut. And, and it's just you you miss one or two. The big ones, though, I want to talk about the quarterback position. Obviously, we can safely say now that Paxton Lynch was a colossal bust. I would argue Paxton Lynch was a worse draft pick than Christian Hackenberg. I mean, he was a first rounder. And I'm sorry. I know Christian Hackenberg literally did not play for the Jets. What did Paxton Lynch ever do that benefited the Broncos ever? Nothing. Nothing. It was. And you know what's crazy when you go back and, and revisit that the Cowboys made a serious oh, offer man. to the Jets to move up to 20 to take him, and the Jets did not take the offer. They took Darren Lee, who has had his own struggles, and it, sa- it essentially saved the Cowboys. Uh, the it, Cowboys were also trying to get Connor Cook, yes, who just got cut by the Raiders. So, <laughs> I uh, mean, it's talk wild. About, yeah. There's a there's a, a famous old country song, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to be that guy, but it's, it's right. <laughs> uh, you know, like one of the best things ever is an unanswered prayer, and like that's Jerry Jones, like oh I want I want Paxton Lynch and I want Connor Cook. Well, you got Dak Prescott, so it worked out pretty well for you, buddy. I, it's crazy. So I mean, you look at these two guys, and I think a lot of it was speed of the game for both of them. They always looked overwhelmed went on yes. the field and it trickled down to their mechanics and accuracy on the field. Cause they're the guys that you look at and you're like, man, that's how you want a quarterback to look. And then they're the guys that when they throw the ball in practice, it's like, okay, the arm is limitless when the lights come on and there's a pass rush and there's offensive concepts and game plan. They never had it. Neither of them. Yeah. They yeah. never had it. And, and Davis Webb is an interesting scenario where he went to Texas Tech as a prized recruit and he was outplayed by Baker Mayfield. And because of politics, Baker Mayfield had to transfer out and Davis Webb got to keep the job. Then Pat Mahomes comes and Mahomes was so much better than him that he did eventually lose the job and transferred to Cal. He rebuilds his career at Cal. There's hype around the senior bowl you know, during a week where I was sitting next to you and I did not think he looked that great. And then it just never panned out. The Giants passed on a quarterback at two this year. And I mean, I, Saquon Barkley is going to be great. We're going to talk about him a lot on this show, but it really makes you wonder if it was necessarily the right call. Yeah. And they drafted Kyle Loletta in the fourth. So it's not like they have a, you know, a, a premium player waiting in the wings. They no. must believe in Eli Manning a lot more than we do. I want to say one more thing uh, on the note about Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch. When talking about Dallas got saved by getting Dak Prescott instead of either of those guys. And this is so important to the quarterback position, but also just to what we do in general. The one thing that I continually heard about those two players pre-draft was bad character. Not not like, oh, they're going to go get arrested. They were just like guys that teammates didn't like. They weren't leaders. Connor Cook wasn't even a, a captain as a senior quarterback. Paxton Lynch, you go through Memphis and people would be like, Fuente was on his ass all the time, all the time, trying to just get him to commit. And these were two guys like people can make fun of it on Twitter all they want. But when you hear that a quarterback doesn't really love football, like that's who I think of Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch. And now they're both, you know, a couple of years in and they're they're moving on to a new team. Yeah, it just it matters so much when you talk about what it takes to play that position at a high level. You have to live it. You have to absolutely live it. All right. One more note, buddy, before we get moving on. 
and, and this one hurts me, right? And anyone who listened to Stick to Football Friday morning, they know Mello and I made our picks, and I absolutely bombed. I it was bad. <laughs> I, I mean, at least you just it. bad. Oh, I'm not gonna hide it from it. I, it was it was horrible. I think some of it is like it's a new year, and I tr- I tried to get too cute. I'm just going to be honest with you. I tried to get cute. I picked FAU. I'm an idiot. Uh, it was bad. And I'm going to get better this week. It's going to happen. Uh, but for the first time in, that I can ever remember, Michigan, Texas, Florida State, and the University of Miami are all 0-1. How crazy is that? It's wild. And the crazy thing is, like, they didn't open up with top five or ten opponents. You know what I no. mean? Like, <laughs> right. I know this is just salt in the wound, but like Maryland, okay. Ugh. Notre Dame, we both thought was a little overrated. The defense looked great. That's just about Michigan's it. Michigan's offensive line is embarrassing. As is Texas's, which is yes. crazy. Like, Miami. Are, <laughs> yes. Oh, Miami. Miami just got punched in the mouth from the minute LSU walked onto Demolished. the field. I looked at Mello, uh, I think. I mean, who did I watch that game with? My, my brain is just mush right now. Whoever I watched the game with, I was like, Miami is so fired up right now that like the some or excuse me, LSU is so fired up right now, like something crazy might happen. It here. felt like Jamal Adams was back on the field. It did, man. It, it and Devin White was uh, an amazing player for them, number forty, their linebacker. So it, it's a little crazy, but I just wanted to come out because I know people have been tweeting me, and yeah, I uh, I'm, I whiffed. I got West Virginia over Tennessee, right? So that's good. But man, uh, I mean. I, and I picked Alabama to be Louisville, obviously, but I didn't expect they were going to put that kind of beat down on them. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Will Greer looked great. Tua looked great. Uh, Dwayne Haskins looked amazing for Ohio State. I'm excited. Even Brandon Wimbush looked a lot better for Notre Dame. He did. And, and I, I think we're going to find out really quickly, okay, was Oregon State just the worst team in college football? They're bad. <laughs> uh, is Tennessee, like Tennessee, are they really, really bad? And then like Louisville looked terrible. Michigan looked terrible. Um, the one game from a team that lost that I loved was Jarrett Stidham uh, against Washington because that is a very, very good secondary. And, and we're going to talk about those guys when we get into our stock watch. All right, guys. Obviously an awesome opening week, uh, weekend, long weekend of college football. And as always with this show, when the season starts, we tied into the NFL draft. It's stock watch season. Matt, we have a long list each of us and we're going to start on a positive note we picked players from the same unit just different names i'm going with draymond jones from ohio state i mean talk about disruptive he wreaked havoc he wasn't the only one on that unit but i loved what we saw to draymond jones a little bit of a surprise he didn't declare last year where i think he actually would have been a top 50 top 60 kind of pick and it looks like there's no slowing down for him maybe he wants to get in that first round and off to just an absolutely fantastic start, man. I, I think he will get into that first round. And, and again, a guy, if he hadn't got hurt last year, it was like a freak thing where he cut, like fell in the shower. Yeah. We didn't get to see him at Rutgers. Missed some time. I think he'll work his way into the first round, even in a loaded defensive line crop. But man, my dude, Nick Bosa was on freaking stoppable. That Oregon state left tackle might quit football this morning when they watch tape. Bosa had a fumble recovery, had a sack, had a touchdown. I mean, he was all over the place, unstoppable. And listen, I don't care that you're playing Oregon State. When you can show the power, the speed to power, the dip, the hand moves, he might be unstoppable when you you just talk about, I know you said we both have him as the top prospect in the country for the draft. I don't know who's going to be able to block him. Like, I'm looking at their schedule I, I don't know if he's going to get blocked all year. Uh, it's going to be really a, just a lot of fun to enjoy watching him while we can, because he's going to the NFL after this. So, you know, they play, they play Rutgers this coming weekend. <laughs> They're not going to be able to stop him. And there's no way. I, I think you could look, maybe, maybe that Penn state game, uh, September 29th. Maybe. I mean, there's, I don't see anyone. They don't play Wisconsin. Man, App State gave Penn State a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So Nick Bosa, dude, is far and away the number one player on my board. And and my stock up, way, way up, if that's even possible after this weekend. All right. I'm going to stick with the uh, the positive approach here for now. Notre Dame and LSU, both defenses, all three levels. I thought the linebacker play from each of these groups was fantastic. I think they each have a star in the secondary. Obviously, Notre Dame with uh, Julian Love and obviously Greedy Williams on LSU, just everything you'd look for in a pro corner. 
Tillery up front for no, for the Irish. I mean, good lord, man! The, the performances from he each was of these, so good. He was so good, unblockable. LSU, the big bodies up front, they were clearing so much space for Devin White and the rest of those linebackers. These units, I mean, these are two teams that they started out outside the top ten, and it's hard to you know, really play that style, sustain that style of winning all on defense in college. But these groups are so good, they might be able to get their teams into the top 10 if those defenses are going to play like that all year. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. And and Tillery showed up and and good for him because it was kind of a slow start to his career. Uh, I'm going to do two downs for you. You've gone two ups now. I'm going to go two downs. Bryce Love for Stanford. I know we've talked a lot about this guy because he's a Heisman candidate. Uh, probably a Heisman favorite for some people and had huge stats last year. I mean, it was 2000 yards rushing. He comes out 18 carries Connor 29 yards. That's against bad. San Diego state. And this, like, it's not like you're, you have a bad offensive line at Stanford. Like you, there's some pro prospects. We've yes, talked there about are. on that line. It just, he, the vision did not look to be there for me. And he did catch the ball a little bit more. We said, Hey, we want to see him catch the ball. Uh, he only caught six passes last year. He caught three uh, when they played on th- on Friday night. So we saw oh, saw some hands, but really a disappointing outing from him. And then my next guy, Ryan Finley, the quarterback for NC State. Not only did NC State not play that well, James Madison gave them all they could handle. Good team. I was I was disappointed in Finley's play. I mean, some people are going to pick apart the stats and say, "Oh, he completed like." 67% of his pass through for 300 yards. I, I just thought he really missed in some spots where I wanted to see him tear someone up and especially play a little bit better in the red zone than he did. Yeah. I'm going to stay with the stock down here. I can't be, uh, you know, all happy go lucky here with everything. So <laughs> Shea Patterson uh, on Michigan. I, oh, and man. I know you said it, Matt, you also, you said the offensive line was really bad. And you also said you didn't really understand the hype around him. I really don't get the hype at all. I, and I'm talking from, a pro perspective. Is he a guy in college that you might be able to win games with? Yes. In terms of pro talent, uh, what am I missing? I mean, he's smaller. He's an okay athlete. He's not Tua. He's not Lamar Jackson or any anything close to any of those guys. The arm, okay. It, it, Braylon Edwards, who got suspended for saying this, was right. He looks scared. He looks scared. It. He didn't look ready. I just was so underwhelmed by this Michigan offense with all the talent they have on defense and Harbaugh's recruits here to, you know, here to stay. They just, I was just really underwhelmed and really disappointed. This Michigan offense looks like the same thing we've seen the last couple of years. I love that Braylon Edwards came out and uh, did he lie? He didn't lie. That's what, he, <laughs> I mean, he trashed so many people. And then he's like, I like to address the tweet from this past Saturday. He has this whole apology about he shouldn't have attacked individual players, but then he goes, with that being said, University of Michigan football still needs to step up. So no apologies there. I love that. Yeah. You ain't wrong, buddy. As the kids say, where's the lie Uh, up for me, Dwayne Haskins. And I want to tip the old cap to you. I'm not wearing a hat, but I want to tell you, you, this was a dude. You kept telling Melo and I all summer, like, man, there's a lot of hype. I think this kid could be really good. Uh, uh, you got clued in early to this guy because a lot of the video work you did on the recruiting side of things. Yep. Uh, and boy, is he impressive. And again, I know that everyone's going to be like, oh, well, they played Oregon State. It doesn't matter who you play when your ball placement is where his was. And I think that's one important thing that people need to remember about scouting is you're not always going to play Alabama. You're not always going to play Ohio State. So looking at things like ball placement, velocity, uh, how quickly you get through your reads. Those were the things that very, very much impressed me when it came to Dwayne Haskins game. Not so much the stats. The stats were good, but just the way he played the game was so, so impressive to me. And I'm excited to see him follow up. Uh, I think they have TCU in a couple of weeks. That should be a pretty good game, but uh, I'm excited to see where he continues to go. Um, it, he had that one pick that we'd probably like to have back, but man, it was a very good, complete game from him. Yeah, it's great to see him on the field. I mean, Quincy Avery, who works with a lot of these young quarterbacks, he stopped by BR last fall, and we were just talking about the Ohio State situation. You know, JT, they looked so flat for a couple games with him, and we were both saying, man, it would be great if they go to Haskins, but they really want to ride with JT, and there was a lot of excitement about Haskins because people have seen him perform really well in practice. People have seen the kind of talent he was coming out of high school. So 
now you see it on the field. You're like, this guy is ready. He's ready to go. The Ohio State offense is limitless with him. A great arm. I think he's more developed as a pocket passer than many expected. He just looks yeah. comfortable in the pocket where you go, okay, this isn't a guy that's going to have to run around and make plays. He can he can carve you up. So a lot of fun to see that. Another guy up, man, I know this one hurts you a little bit, Rodney Anderson. He might be the best running back prospect in the country, Matt. I think he is. I mean, I, he's he's big, physical, agile. He catches the ball. He really just checks the boxes where, okay, he's not Saquon, right? He's not Zeke. But you talk about, does he do everything well? Yeah, he does. Is he a really good athlete? Yeah, he is. And he's in an offense where he's going to put up video game numbers. So I liked what I saw, and I think he's just a guy that's officially on the radar to be the top running back taken in next year's draft. Five carries, 100 yards. He had a pretty good game against FAU. I mean, the jersey's so clean. Everyone. everyone had a good day against FAU. Uh, uh, down for me, and we talked about him at the top, but Trey Adams is down for me. Uh, so I'm going to uh, not spend a lot of time on that. But up for me is Will Greer, the quarterback for West Virginia. It was so great to see him back healthy against Tennessee. He, he left last year with a broken hand, suffered against Texas. He got back right on track, was making very good throws. And and Will Greer's the dude that I am so intrigued by. And I've I've almost hedged on the fact that like people will ask about him and I'm just like, hey, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about him yet. I want more time to evaluate him. He was, uh, he's he barely missed against Tennessee, man. Five touchdowns, no picks, threw for like 430 yards. Uh, very, very, very good game. And yeah, he's not the biggest guy in the world, 6'2, 223. But as we've said all summer, if Baker Mayfield can go first overall, there's no reason Will Greer can't get into the, the round one or even top 10 conversation. And if he continues to be as accurate and make the types of plays that he made on Saturday, then he's going to get himself into that QB one conversation. Yeah. He's a ton of fun to watch. It's just another guy that you look at the stature, but the arm always exceeds what your expectations are. So, all right, stock down for me, Florida football. Woof. Oh, I mean, Florida state Florida. punched no, in the, the mouth. State. Miami punched in the mouth. Gators. I'm not giving you that much love because you beat Charleston Southern. Okay. So we'll see what you have next week. Right now you can kind of, you can gloat a little bit, but man, I mean, the expectations for Miami were significantly high. Florida State was supposed to bounce back, and Tech just came out and played classic Virginia Tech football. And in ACC, things aren't going to get easier, okay? I mean, for Florida State and Miami, Boston College might be sneaky good. There are teams, I, I mean, Clemson is Clemson. It's just, it's tough right now. It's tough for Florida football on a competitive level, but... I think my bigger point was that it's going to hurt some of the prospects too. a guy like Francois that takes these hits for Florida state, a guy like Travis Homer for Miami, who isn't running really behind a good offensive line. It's just a lot of pressure for their prospects. So, but back on the upswing of things, Nick Coe and that Auburn defense, just finally really on the field and wreaking havoc right away. And uh, I wanted to throw a little uh, tip of the cap to the names of the Auburn defense, which I tweeted out yesterday morning where it's, there was a sequence where Jake Browning got sacked by big cat Bryant. And then the next play, (laughs) he got sacked by smoke Monday. Those are names on the Auburn defense. So stock up Auburn. You got good talent and you got great names. Yeah, man. And I want to roll right into the other side of Auburn. Jerks did them. Jarrett Stidham, oh man, I was so giddy watching him throw the ball. I kept like slapping Mello sitting on the couch, like, oh, like, are you seeing this shit? And it's just, I mean, and he's beating up a secondary that has Taylor Rapp at safety. They have Byron Murphy at corner. Washington is a good defense, and Jarrett Stidham carved them up. And he started hot and did like slow down a little bit throughout the game, but I was very impressed by him. And I I've taken so much heat over the summer too for liking him. So it's also just comforting to just see like a guy who comes out and completed over 70% of his passes. And they were not all like little check down passes. I mean, he was attacking that Washington defense and it looked very good. So I'm excited uh, to continue to see him. His schedule is not easy. Uh, Auburn has a, a, a tough run of it, but he definitely got started. Right. I mean, the thing is with Stidham, he fits the mold of the modern day quarterback so much where he's a guy that has a, you know, a really good arm, but you can do so much with him on the move. So, I mean, I'm right with you there. You talked about him all summer, and he came out to play right away. Another guy stock up for me here, my last stock up, TJ Vasher. He had the spectacular catch 
for Texas Tech, that one-handed Odell catch, but just the prospects of him now entering his third season where he's a redshirt sophomore, six foot six, Matt, door frame wingspan. And when you can catch the ball like that, I think the eyes are going to be on him. I don't know if he's going to declare early. I know they lost a tough one to Ole Miss in, the, in you know, it, just a tough opener. But when you look at weapons, this guy is just really, really interesting to me. Yeah, and we talked about him as we were watching the games on sat uh, on Saturday. You you saw the big plays, and it's like, man, is this Simi Cobbs against Ohio State? Yes, good or question. is this guy just a, a dominant player? And I'm excited to see. I talked a little bit to Pat Mahomes about him because he obviously come out of that tech program, knows a lot of the guys, and and there's a lot of love for him. Uh, my final down. And this was a hard one for me because I, I really thought Cam Akers was going to be a, a Heisman candidate this year. I think some of those dreams died last night uh, on the field in, in Tallahassee. But before he broke off that 84-yard run, he had 11 carries for two yards. And I know some of it's the offensive line, some of it's the play calling, but Jacquez Patrick looked good. He did look good. Looked very good. He ran hard. So why didn't Cam Akers? Cam Akers looked small, uh, didn't look very effective between the tackles. So big, big question marks about a guy who's not yet draft eligible, but someone that we really thought was going to be one of the better running backs in the country this year. He kind of limped out to a start. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, we're going to talk about, usually we don't do it, but now we're you're transforming it, transforming into it. We're going to talk about some of the stars that aren't draft eligible yet because they're worth talking about. They warrant that with the talent they have. So hope to see more out of Akers down the stretch. Final one, stock down. He's been around forever. Jake Browning. He's just not a guy that can win you the big game. I, I just, it's simple as that. He holds the ball forever. He has a very limited arm. I just, as a pro prospect, there's nothing there for me. And I just want to get out in front of that right now so we don't have to do it all year. <laughs> Let's just answer it now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to get drafted. I just I don't want to hear about it in the first three rounds. It it's not worth the time. Aaron Murray 2.0. I'm that, saying it now. It's spot on. And I liked I like Murray, I think, better than Browning. All right. It is the final week of our rookie countdown. We timed this perfectly, just like we did our on top accident. 25 college football countdown. Totally on accident. But it butts up right against Thursday night. What tomorrow night, for those of you listening to this Wednesday morning, we have NFL football. And I'm so, so excited. I I, my voice caught there because I was like, wait, is that right? Oh, my God, that is right. Uh, so I'm excited. Let's finish this top five rookie countdown. I uh, I guess you could say cheated, kind of had to cheat. I moved offices in the middle of the rookie countdown and somehow lost my list. So you get because, to restart. <laughs> so I got to restart. So number five of my list would not have been there originally. But when I, I did this last week, he made it Arden Key. And as soon as we started hearing, hey, Cleo Max is going to get traded, going to get traded. And like Friday night, I, I will bring my girlfriend on to verify this story if I need to. We were at a bar Friday night and I got a call from an assistant GM and I was like, I have to go take this call. And she's just like, OK. And she comes back and she's like, I swear on my children. She's like, so did Cleo Mack get traded? Like, <laughs> well, it's, it's happening. It's happening right now. And uh, and we, I mean, we knew it was the Bears. So, uh, okay. So the guy who's going to take his place, that was a tangent. Arden Key, <laughs> as I said before, if he can stay on the field, Arden Key is a double-digit sack player. He was so talented at LSU. And, and we saw him play at like 220 and we saw him play at 280. So it, it's Sometimes just a matter we didn't of, see him play at all. Right. It's a matter <laughs> of him just staying right mentally and staying out of trouble he could be and he's not going to be Khalil Mack but he can be part of a rotation that will help you replace that guy yeah I mean I'm right with you there I I wrote an article about this time last year when I was still with FanRec Sports where when Arden Key was back and he had like two sacks right away I was like it was like basically Arden Key can find himself back in the top edge conversation and then the yeah. run the run defense fell apart and the off-field issue. And when you write something like that, people contact you and they're like, hey, don't do that because the off-field's a mess. And Bradley Chubb ran away with that title. Harold Landry, excellent player, absolutely excellent player. But Key always had the talent to be a good pass rusher in the NFL. And it, you hope that it's all come together now. And Oakland clearly thinks that he can be. So it's exciting to see Arden Key hopefully thrive right away as a rookie after a lot of, once again, peaks and valleys at the college level. Number five for me, a guy that unfortunately got hurt 
uh, after I made this list, but Denzel Ward, I, I think he could be a shutdown corner in the league. I think Greg Williams is really going to rely on him to, you know, they always say, can the coverage hold? When you have Miles Garrett, sometimes it doesn't have to. And when you have Miles Garrett, sometimes quarterbacks do stupid things, and that could lead to really good opportunities for Denzel Ward. He's just what the Browns needed. I think he's going to have a fantastic rookie year if he can get right, uh, you know, it, with the medicals. Yeah, I agree. He was my top corner. I was a little surprised he was the number four pick, but they are going to rely on him as soon as he's healthy to be that guy, and I'm, that could, in turn, make his impact huge. Number four on my list, and you and I are going to have a lot of, of the same players uh, on today's list. Number four for me, Quentin Nelson. Uh, this dude was drafted to be Andrew Luck's bodyguard, and he's not going to let them down. I think he's he's very quickly going to become one of the best left guards in football. I, I gave him a grade almost at like a Hall of Fame caliber coming out of Notre Dame. He's big. He's smart. He's athletic. He's poised. Everything you want in a left guard, that's who Quentin Nelson is. And I know it's not sexy to put an offensive lineman on here. He's just that damn good that he has to be on the list. Yeah, I'm with you. There's number three for me. So I'll just, spoiler alert, kill that right now. (laughs) I think he's great, and I think he's exactly what Indy needed. I know he's not flawless in the preseason, but not many guys are. So it's going to be fun. But number four for me, Derwin James. It's amazing. His first start in the preseason interception. The guy just makes plays. There's guys that you see and you watch a game or two and you go, he has it. And Derwin James has it on the field, off the field, bring some attitude to the other L.A. team that really needs it. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, who you got next on your list? I had Quentin Nelson at three. Oh, so, there you go. So yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading, I jumped uh, ahead. I'm, I jumped. I made it very confusing. So <laughs> no, I, I started to read your next guy. That's on me because my guy is the same as your next guy. Bradley Chubb is number oh, three on my list. This number two. Our for list me. this week are so confusing. So three for me, Bradley Chubb. He's going to be given a huge role. I mean, Shane Ray did not ever pan out to be the guy they thought he would be in the, the end of the first round. Bradley Chubb, I think, signals that they're going to try to be a little bigger, a little more physical on defense. And it helps the uh, Von Miller on the other side, like wrecking shit and not a bad defensive line uh, on the interior. So I I think Bradley Chubb with a good secondary behind him, like this can't be stressed enough. And it it does work both ways. But like when you have a secondary with guys like Chris Harris back there who can cover and you you have now you have Pac-Man Jones, you have pretty good safeties with Darian Stewart and Justin Simmons, Bradley Roby. Uh, hopefully comes into his own a little bit more this year. But when you have a decent secondary, when you have Derek Wolf up there and you have good linebackers, it, it makes the job of those outside pass rushers so much easier. And I, I think Bradley Chubb coming off that strong side could be a, a very, very big impact player. Like, it, I mean, he should have eight to nine sacks, I would think, it, as a rookie in a pretty good division with offensive line play. Yeah, it's hard to pick against him for defensive rookie of the year. Like him and Roquan. Yeah, you're right. It it, really is. It's like becoming the Saquon thing where it's like, why do I pick against him? He's set up to succeed instantly, and he has a skill set where he should succeed instantly. So like I said, Bradley Chubb, number two for me. I want to toss it back to Matt because I I happen to be a fan of who his number two is. A little bit. A little bit of a fan of this guy who was announced officially the I mean, starting quarterback for the New York Jets <laughs> officially so long. Yeah. The moment they traded to get him, he was the number <laughs> one quarterback. A fact. Sam motherfucking Darnold. I, <laughs> I love this kid, man. He was my number one quarterback last year. Tough, accurate. He's so smart. I, I think that's something that can get lost in just the average fan watching games on Saturday because you don't get an opportunity to talk to these guys. Unfortunately, Sam Darnold's football IQ is, is so impressive and his leadership skills are, are amazing. He's going to, I believe this now, you can say that September 4th, 2018, I said it, I think Sam Darnold turns around the New York Jets. I believe they are a playoff contender next season, that 2019 season, they're going to be contending for the playoffs, and Darnold's going to have his lumps, man. He turned the ball over at USC, he's probably going to turn the ball over a little bit with the Jets, but as they can build around him, the offensive line's going to need some improvements on the edges, but he's got some young receivers to work with. Uh, I'm pretty dang excited, and that's why he's number two on my list, just to get him out there and watch the process of him learning this offense and learning how to play in the NFL. Yeah, I think it is going to be a lot of fun. It's interesting, too, because everyone's like, well, he's throwing underneath all the time. He's not hitting the home runs over the top. And it's like, guess what, guys? Like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and he's he's not going to be on their levels. Let's slow down. Yeah. But they carve teams up underneath, and Darnold is going to run a West Coast attack where – Things might seem simple at times and things might not be very flashy, 
But the New York Jets don't need that at quarterback. They need a guy that, you know, can obviously efficiently operate a passing game, hopefully make things happen with his legs a little bit and rely on the defense. So Monday Night Football at Detroit, hell of a test out of the gate. Hell of a test. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Number one, uh, hold on to your butts. It's a gigantic yeah. <laughs> surprise. Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's going to get the ball 25 to 30 times a game. He's accounting the targets in the pass game and the carries. The guy's a star. I know he didn't play a lot in the preseason. The one time we saw him ripped off a 30-plus yard run. What more do you need to see? I mean, do I trust the Giants' offensive line? No, not really, but was Penn State's that great when he was there? No. So Saquon Barkley, he's the biggest impact rookie to end this list. It's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it is, man. It, it, we probably should have done a list that like excluded him. Like, yeah, well, let's the do non Saquon uh, Barkley twenty five to one minus Saquon. He's yeah. just that good. I, I expect a fifteen hundred yard season from him. Uh, when you add in the receptions, hell, let him return some kicks too. He'll get some points on the board for the Giants that way. And this is a an offense that, man, if Eli Manning can just not Screw pee up. the bed. Well, Eric Flowers too. Yeah, your well, best least, friend. I know yeah, you didn't Nate want to Solder, talk bad about him. <laughs> I, yeah, I try, I've been trying to just move on from the Eric Flowers <laughs> saga, but Saquon should go off this year. There's really no one else that I would have considered for the number one spot on this list. All right, guys, as always, going to close out the show with your draft on draft questions. Draft on draft is not going anywhere. It is here to stay. So as always, you can send questions anywhere you want, really. The Reddit thread, Twitter, at TR. Because he's been killing it. The intern has been killing it. Uh, Instagram DMs, all that good stuff. So let's get right into it. This one from our good buddy, Jared Brown. Best performance from an offensive and defensive player over the weekend. Oh, man. I I know who I think I know who you're going to take. So I'm going to go defense first. Let's just get this out of the way. It was Nick Bosa. Hands down. And there were some dudes who had good games. Uh, but Nick Bosa was the best that I saw. And I, I think I watched like. 12 games, probably maybe 13 over the weekend. And Bosa was just unstoppable. So he gets my nod on defense. I'll save my offense because I want to know who you pick first. I It's hard. I want to say Jonathan Taylor, but yeah. single-handedly, I think Will Greer. I mean, the guy doesn't miss. And it, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a very, very good football player. Some of the lanes that offensive line creates, it's just it's a magnificent team effort with him. Yeah. And with West Virginia, they weren't like this before Will Greer got there. And now you look at the numbers and just the offense. I thought Will Greer was the best offensive player over the weekend. I really did. Yeah. Uh, uh, hard to argue. I want to shout out one person who's not my guy, but he on a losing team, Artavis Pierce, the running back for Oregon State, deserves some love. Yes. He went off uh, 11 carries, 168 yards. He had one that was like an 80-yard run. So he had he had one. He had three catches for like 41 yards, too. So I want to shout out Artavis Pierce because he had a very good game. But Dwayne Haskins gets my gets my trophy for the week. 22 of 30, 313, five touchdowns and just dominated, dominated Oregon State. JT who? Like, I think the biggest question is why the hell wasn't this kid playing last year when JT Barrett looked like he couldn't <laughs> throw the ball out of a paper bag? It's like it's that. kind of a big indictment on the stat. Like. Haskins, we one knew of many, Connor. Yeah. Oh God, no! <laughs> God, I didn't even mean to do it. Oh Jesus! No, it's. I mean, listen. You know, you I, you got a fan s- sitting here next to you or across the country from you. So I'm with you completely on that. One defender to Jalen Phillips on UCLA. There's been a lot of hype around him. I know this is yeah. not a good UCLA team, but that is a damn good football player that we're going to be talking about a lot next year. Yeah, great question from our buddy Jared Brown. Uh, next question, and these all came in. We did our stick to football listener fantasy league draft last night, which I dominated, and these questions came in during that. So appreciate it. Mason Whitlock wants to know who are the most overrated and underrated teams after week one. Uh, I think Miami has to be the most overrated team. They were ranked number eight in the country. Yep. And I, I know LSU was the ranked 25, they were a ranked team. Miami looked like they didn't even belong on the field with LSU. And I mean, you could throw Michigan in there, you could throw Texas in there. Texas was ranked 23, lost to an unranked Maryland. Uh, I mean, people were talking about Michigan maybe being a playoff team. There's no fucking way that's going to happen. <laughs> so I think any of those teams would fit in there. FSU, like, they're ranked 19. I don't think the, the expectations top were that team. high for them. But Miami and Michigan probably would be up there. At Penn State, almost losing to App State. Though, 
that was just bad. And App State's a good team. Zach Thomas, their quarterback's a lot of fun to watch. But the I would say those are my picks. Oh, yeah, it's hard for, to argue. Overrated, anyway. My dad called me last night because he's a Penn State fan. And he was like, he goes, this fucking team was number 10 coming into the year? He goes, this team? And I go, I don't make the rankings, Dad. Like, I mean, he he was furious. He's like, this is ridiculous. This is not even close. Um, you know, and Penn State can regroup. Everyone can come out a little shell shocked right. in an opener against anyone. So I don't think, you know, it's time to crush them yet. But I just I'm so underwhelmed by Washington. It's like Washington to me seems like the team, like, oh, they're the best team on the West Coast. So we got to put them in the top ten somewhere. And it's like they can I just don't think they can uh, hang with the with the SEC teams. I don't think they can yeah. hang. I and mean, we saw that. They, I mean, I love Auburn because I like Jared Stidham and I, it's very good defense. But and that's probably like the third best SEC team that whipped their ass. Right. I mean, out. I got to say something, Matt. This is a very, very impulse reaction. I think this is the best Alabama team in the last five, six, seven years. I mean, yeah. with yeah, two, they're so, so talented. They're so complete. It's so I, they're absolutely stacked at every single position, even if they take on injuries. It's insane. All right, this next one from Nick Lee. If any of the top D-line prospects impressed this year, like Dexter Lawrence, could Rayshon Gary get pushed back and almost slide like Kim, Kim, ugh, Kim Dietschy <laughs> did? It's a tough one. <laughs> uh, God, we haven't said it in a while because he's disappeared completely. Hashtag draft on draft. I, I'll tell you what, like the expectations for Rayshon Gary for many years have been super high. And... He's just not even close to being the face of this D-line class. Not even close yeah. right now. I man, I don't I'm not impressed by Dexter Lawrence. Let me just say that. That too though. It straight up like this I, is that's Nick, not the guy that's going to do it. This is Nick Bosa and Ed Oliver's show to to run it, away and it's and not be Draymond Jones. At, great point. Great point. Uh, he might be this the next best guy, Draymond Jones. So, like Rashawn Gary and Melo and I actually talked about this uh during the game. This is a guy who I think is overrated because he was such a good prospect coming out of high school, but he's also being asked to play out of position a lot that he should be a three technique penetrator. He should not be asked to be playing. He's playing outside a lot. He's six tech, sometimes five tech, like put this guy in the middle of the line and let him flourish because you do see flashes. But uh, I don't, I don't think that Gary's necessarily going to get pushed back because of other D line prospects. Like, but if Bosa goes one and Oliver goes two. Rashawn Gary is still a top 12 pick. And I, I think the only guy that, that I've seen so far that could maybe jump him for that third defensive lineman prospect spot would be Draymond Jones. So it's a long season. Cleveland Hopefully Farrell. Michigan figures some things out. Cleveland Farrell is a very good player as well. Um, but I like Dexter Lawrence doesn't do it for me. Christian Wilkins doesn't do it for me. So those are the guys who might be more household names, but I still think Rashawn Gary is a better prospect, even if we're not seeing that production. And I, I blame Michigan for some of that. I want to put you on the spot. This is Connor's draft on draft question for the week. Who do you like better, Matt? Uh, uh, whose defensive line do you like better? Ohio state or Clemson as pro prospects? Sure. Ohio state without a doubt. Bosa will be the number one or two pick in the draft. Draymond Jones will be top 20 and next year. Chase Young Chase will Young. probably be top 10. Uh, so uh, why is no rather, one talking about this? I don't know. I, I, I truly don't know. Uh, I do all the time. Yeah, so true. The, the Ohio state defensive line, as far as, uh, as far as pro prospects go, Ohio state's D line is better. And I think Clemson might be a better college defensive line because you got a lot of seniors in there now with, uh, with Farrell, uh, with Wilkins, Austin Lawrence Bryant. and Bryant have yeah. started for a long time. But man, if you could tell me I could have Nick Bosa, Draymond Jones, Chase Young and, and Robert Landers or, uh, Devon Hamilton. That's a pretty damn good line. So uh, I, I actually, I like Ohio state's better. It just, I'm being honest. You. I'm with you there. All right. Last one of the week. Wyatt charter. What do you guys think of Kyler Murray's performance? Uh, he looks like I, he looks like that glitch on Madden where you just get the <laughs> tiny player. That's with super speed. Right. Uh, I, you know, he, he played well, uh, only threw 11 passes, but threw for over 200 yards. Now, a lot of that came, uh, a great catch and run by number 84 where he broke like 17 tackles, but it, it was good. Uh, FAU did not live up to my expectations. I thought they would be uh, better. I thought they would hit much better in the open field, but I, I think we'll see, you know, a, a bigger test from him soon, uh, you know, to see exactly what he can do. But the, like all his big plays 
One was the throw where 84 bailed him out, like I said. And the other, he scrambled around forever and picked up like 11 yards on a run. So uh, I, I, I think that he was a guy who had a couple good highlights but didn't have that great of a game. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I was impressed. I think he's he definitely does enough to carry this Oklahoma offense because it, we talked about Rodney Anderson. Love the coach and Lincoln Riley. I thought he was fine. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Oklahoma I might not lose a step this year. I mean, here's my uh, my thoughts on this, especially I watched a lot of Big 12 football this weekend. No one's going to hit him. Oh, my so, God, man. What is that conference? It's like allergic to defense. It is. I just I don't. Is. How does this happen every single year? And then you look at the Big Ten and the SEC and it's like a heavyweight title fight every single game. Yeah, man, it's amazing. The 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 way the Big 12 has crumbled is fantastic and sad to those of us who are fans of, of course of teams down there but man it is so sad like when texas can't get a quarterback or an offensive line like you are in texas like how hard the quarterbacks are like you could open your door and hit one and they can't get one they're all there a and m hopefully has a little bit of a rebound with jimbo but i i don't i don't have high hopes for a and m i mean it it's just sad man and the the fact that the teams in florida and texas right now are so bad just says a lot about the state of college football that you know Alabama's dominating, Georgia's dominating, Auburn looks really good. I mean LSU looks great. And then you have Ohio State just every year they're good. It it's really showing that there's been like a migration of talent in college football. It's uh, it's true. It's interesting to see how it all it, it each conference really has an identity now. And if you're the Big 12, you yeah. kind of don't have the one you want. So soft. Soft yeah. is the Big 12's identity. Yeah, you said it, not me. Uh, yeah, I'll say it. I, I'm not afraid of it. I, I I live here. Shit, I don't care. I'll say it about them. All right, buddy. That's our show for the week. It's a fun one. Lot lot to recap. We are going to be back on Friday morning. You only have to wait two days to hear me and hear Mello. We'll be doing a lot of previews and picks. Hopefully, I actually get some right this week. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our top five Heisman moments uh, as Ooh. we start to get into college season. So Heisman moments like Desmond Howard striking the pose. Uh, Vince Young, who should have won the Heisman, beating USC in the Rose Bowl, might, yep. might make my list just as a rogue entry. So y'all could definitely start sending those our way. We'll get them on the show. Uh, and then, Connor, Ooh. Sunday night. Sunday night, buddy. We sit down to record the first Stick to Football Monday episode where we're going to do uh, a lot of college football recap, kind of like we did today. Uh, it'll be a short show, 30 to 45 minutes probably, uh, mostly recap. A lot of the times we will all be on the road, sometimes together, sometimes not. So it's going to be a fun show where we incorporate a lot of different things. So make sure if you haven't already, Apple Podcast, subscribe, Android, if you tune in, Stitcher, we're all over the place. Make sure you guys have subscribed. And also in the BR app, if you want to get the show that way, you definitely can. And keep punching in those reviews of things you want to see or what you like or what you're excited about because we see them all and we'll listen to what you guys have to say. I mean, you're a part of the show more so than ever. So, And also, did our man Antha Oreo make a decision yet? It, he has, and okay. I have the audio. It will run in the Friday show. That is perfect. So the yeah. decision is coming to a close, folks. 